Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Ant Hill Show. I'm Ant, of course. This is Jay Hill, and we are absolutely excited because guess what? It's finally it's game, game week. week. We oh. are yeah. Jay Hill was so excited he got here early. Everyone was excited to get into this episode. I know we are. Uh, and we got a lot of really cool topics, some of them involving, of course, the 53 man, how it was built, and how the 49ers are gonna use that against the Bears, but very heavy on 49ers versus Bears, Jason. Actually. Tangible football coming our way on Sunday. I can't freaking wait. So, oh, Scott. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, Jason, the 49ers built their 53-man roster since the last time that we had a conversation. Yes. And, yeah. you know, the way that they built it is very interesting. And one thing that was clear, and you can see it, you know, on the screen next to us, 49ers light in the secondary. They keep three safeties, of course, because they kept four, but then Jimmy Ward goes on the IR. And then on the cornerback position, they only keep five. They they don't have a six guy, which nor, that's the norm, right? Six guys for the 49ers in the secondary. What did you think about the way the 49ers built the secondary overall? And what's going to happen with that safety position? Who's coming up from the practice squad? We know Dante Johnson and Tayshawn Gibson are there. Oh, and my guy, Taylor Hawkins. The obvious fit, the obvious choice, the obvious answer is Dante and I'd be surprised if it's not him he's got the experience he knows the scheme all that kind of stuff I I think part of the, the lightness of the secondary goes to us keeping three quarterbacks that that's probably where that they probably came down to either Brock Brock Purdy or an extra DB is my suspicion if you look at every other position the only one that seems to be shorted by that extra quarterback thanks Jimmy is the DBs. I'm going to push back a little bit, and here's why. And we're going to get into it a little bit more later. But they kept ten. They have ten offensive linemen on the active roster too. Last year they kept eight. Uh, so that's a influx of two players compared to last year, which could be one cornerback and one safety. 
Um, so it might not actually be the quarterback, even though that's a, that is a position they kept extra at. Uh, it might be the easy one, Jason, the cherry-picked quarterback Maybe. situation. But I think that Just there's more to it extra. because they did keep at other areas. And I think a lot of the reason they kept at the, the linemen, uh, we'll get into that in a second, uh, was because of Daniel Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey question mark. Yeah. But the secondary, they have the guys on the practice squad. If you're able to move those guys to the practice squad and still elevate them when it's time for the games, you might as well do that. Yep. Uh, they needed to make sure Jimmy Ward was on the active 53, of course, after cut day. Then they could get him to the IR and he could still come back. They have a six spot potentially available for Jason Brett when he comes back after four. But they'll probably elevate somebody at the cornerback position too. But who is that going to be? Uh, or could it just be Dante Johnson comes in and fills both roles? I I think Dante is the kind of the the jack of all all trades guy here. I he can play almost really any spot, and and he has at some point in the last four or five years. So I think they value his flexibility enough to where. It, it gives them other options like keeping extra linemen too. So Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Tayshawn Gibson is on this roster, but I think it makes sense to have him practice longer, get in better football conditioning, and then be available later if you need him. Yeah. So I think he's one guy they're kind of stashing and storing uh, for later, and Dante Johnson can play a multitude of positions. I mean, if you needed him, he could play the nickel. If you needed him to play free safety, he could do it. Yep. I just think there's so much versatility there. But Smart player. I, Another position that was interesting, Jason, and we kind of got into this a little bit, but four tight ends, four big running backs, 10 offensive linemen. What does this signal to you about the 49ers and what they plan to do in 2022? And that was five big running backs until Trey Sermon, of course, got moved so they could get another offensive lineman in there. It sounds like they want Trey to to throw the ball about 20 to 22, 23 times a game is, is what that basically means. Yeah, I would argue they probably wanted under 20. <laughs> it might be that even. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's going to be, you know, around. I think that's what they want. I think this signaled the fact they brought back Tyler Croft uh, the, to go with the other tight ends, meaning they have three very capable blockers, and then Ross Dwelly, yep. um, who can add something in the receiving game. And then the running backs, all of them are big physical. I think everyone's excited about Jordan Mason and what he provides for this football team. There's going to be question marks about, who is the third down back? Is it, you know, is it Jeff Wilson Jr.? Is Elijah Mitchell's a combination of both? And also, who's coming in on third and short, fourth and short to get those yardage? Will it be one of those two that, you know, I named first? Will it be TDP who handle it primarily through practice, uh, through training camp? Or will it be Jordan freaking Mason who just seems to run people over and gets vertical at the as, as soon as he can? I think the first three or four games, honestly, we'll see because it might be kind of a, a trial and error, kind of a, let's see how you do. Oh, not good enough. Okay, now it's your turn. Uh, not, not bad. Oh, oh, there. And so I would guess by October, we'll see kind of who our short down back will be because I'm not sure they know yet. Yeah, maybe not. And I think that the, the way that they're designing this team is to run the ball 35 to 40 times a game. Uh, Mike McDaniel in, in Miami came out and said, hey, we're going to run the ball 30 plus times he a did. game. And I think that that's what Kyle Shanahan and what is going to do. And whenever you put somebody like Chris Furster in control of your run game and he's an offensive line guy, he's guess what you're doing? Loading up. This is what I said when he was in Miami. This was his MO. Yep. Three tight ends, load up and run people over. And then all of a sudden he comes, you know, he's going to become the run game coordinator here. I don't think anything changes. You throw in the fact you have Anthony Lynn involved as well. This run game is going to get after people. I was excited about that. The 10 offensive linemen, though, caught me 
even though four tight ends caught me by surprise, 10 offensive linemen uh, way, way caught me off surprise because I had nine because you needed to keep Nick Zakel. Yes. He's your future center. John Lynch came out and said it pretty much. They see that in his future. But a 10th guy, um, I mean, nobody's really rolling with 10 offensive linemen, especially you're el- able to elevate players when you elevate an offensive lineman. So uh, to get Dante Johnson elevated to the roster, they're going to have to elevate another offensive lineman. That's 11 potential offensive linemen that are you know could be available. Of course, we know that's not how many are going to dress. Nick Zakel ain't going to yeah. dress. There'll be a couple other guys, but I just thought that was very interesting. Does this make you think that they might not be so necessarily convinced on who they want to to go with yet? Because remember last show we, we talked about the report of them trying to acquire more interior guys? I think when it comes down to it, what they're worried about is Daniel Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey. Uh, Brunskill's not cleared to play. And if Brunskill's not playing, you need guys to be that sixth offensive yeah. lineman. They've got Cold McKivitz, of course. But if Brunskill's not playing, you're not rolling out Nick Zakel if something happens to Jake Brendel. Uh, so that means you would have to have Keaton Sutherland up there, or you know they bring the new guy and he can handle it as well. Five position yeah. versatility. So I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to ensure themselves because if they have to, they'll prob- they'll put Daniel Brunskill on the IR. I think they're hoping he's going to be ready to go right, and he's and he's going to be or something. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to be good. But with a hamstring, he might be practicing during the week and then all of a sudden you get to game time and he's just not ready he can't go full it's still tight yeah so i think those question marks made them kind of load up i think they always planned on nine because of zakel yep but now it made them load an extra guy because of it yeah makes sense though yeah i think so and because of that jason we got to talk about the 49ers roster rank overall now that we've seen the 53 in fact we've seen 70 because that's how many they have between the 53 man roster the practice squad because we've got old alfredo Gutierrez. Part of the international exchange Viva program. Mexico. Yeah, so he doesn't count against the you know the roster size, so that's good for the Niners. They get to Thank keep God. an extra guy for the practice squad, or I don't think he would be around. But no, uh, really good guy and has improved drastically. I mean, he's gotten a lot better. Is it's it? not saying much though. Well, I mean, he from, he, from where he was. No, it's saying a lot there's, because there's some lot guys just improve. never have that opportunity. You yeah, know, but, but he still doesn't look like he's going to be a, anyone that we no. can ever rely on for anything. So no, no, no. Other but, than just sell more jerseys. No, he's a good guy who's yeah. going to help in practice. Everyone yeah. likes him. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Jimmy G. Yeah. But where do you think this 49ers offensive roster, or I'm sorry, not offensive, but the entire team roster ranks compared to the rest of the NFL? Really, like I. So this, this is one of those things where you hate to sound homerish, but. They are at worst the third or fourth best roster in the sport. It, I could see them being top two. Like the, the amount of talent and just is it's it's scary. Like actually look at other people's roster objectively, and our guys are are, are loaded. It's it, it's if if they if they had a quarterback that had experience and and was top ten already. They'd be the the clear Vegas favorites. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that from multiple guys who bet a lot. That that literally the only thing stopping them from being the odds-on favorite is people aren't sure about about Trey yet. Yeah, I think you're you know I think you're onto something. The roster's really good, and actually, I did a five big takeaways from the 53-man roster, which you haven't watched. Go check that out on over on the channel. But uh, one of the things I said was this roster is absolutely stacked. 
You know, you can see it in the way that teams were going out and pouncing and, and claiming 49ers players. I mean, Jamichael Hasty, when you look at it, he was the sixth held back yes. and he got claimed right away. You know, Within Trey like, Sermon was the like fifth an hour. and he got claimed. So, I mean, these guys are, are valued around the league. And I think that goes to show what John Lynch and Kyle Shannon are building here. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about their misses or their positions. They're worried about them on the interior offensive line. And those are legitimate, you know, conversations to have uh, because this offensive line is young. And anytime there's young, uh, like you brought up about Trey Lance, youngsters, then you have question marks about if they're going to be able to fulfill, you know, their potential. And that's what it is potential right now. It's unknown. But I think everyone's excited about what they've seen from Burford so far and the consistency from Banks. I know after the Texans game, people started trying to kind of attack that a it little was, bit. Uh, yeah, but, was, but Banks, I thought, has been consistent throughout the preseason and training camp. I'm curious what happens when they start scheming up offense as well, how much pressure that'll take off this offensive line. It absolutely will. So top three, I think, is very legitimate. I don't see any reason why they can't. Even though there are some very really some really good rosters around the league, including the Philadelphia Eagles, who have absolutely been stacking their roster as well. Eagles are up there. I I think the top three to me right now in in no particular order are the Bills, the the, the Chargers, and us. Are to me the the one where you're like, okay, they got players at all three levels on offense and defense, and it and just tons of speed and but like with the Chargers. Obviously, they have quarterback, and it was beyond proven. But, but their issue is their head, their head coach is a nut, and 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 that's what might hold them back too. Yeah, I mean decisions, right? A lot of the things that happen are going to be decisions in game, which is terrible execution. That's the thing when you're looking at these rosters; it's all uh, on paper right now. They yep. have to go out there and prove it. And every single one of them, even though they have tremendous advantages, they have disadvantages as well. But I think you're right, Jason. They're one of the top ones. But now let's get into it. Uh, the main event, of course, 49ers versus ding, Bears. Ding. Uh, so we're going to have some nice topics to go over about this. But first off, Jason, what are your highlights? What are you thinking about these 49ers versus Bears? Like, what's standing out to you about this matchup? They played it last year at Halloween, but it's going to be a little bit different. Matt Nagy's gone. Insert Matt Eberfluss. They just changed the last name. Changed that it's an offensive coordinator to a defensive coordinator. More hair and uh, a bigger gap, too. <laughs> so what are you expecting from this game, and, and what are you looking forward to? I'm really curious because he was the Colts the coordinator, so I'm I, I'm curious to see the the progression that, that that they've been able to give Justin. I, I'm a little concerned for him that they have no one to throw to. They don't really have any good running backs and and their lines shaky like they do have a a really good tight end who we who we need to be be aware of at all times but other than that 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 team is just they're bad okay i'm gonna bring up a few names and then you kind of give me an instant response david montgomery doesn't didn't scare me okay so you said you like cole Komet. i do i, okay. I like cole a lot and then here we go darnell mooney yeah. Okay, because Darnell Mooney is one of the guys that I was high on when he came out of the draft a couple of years ago. I thought he was a guy that had late round potential to be something yeah. big. I think he is a guy that's got a lot of ability. Do I think he's going to be as good as last year when they had Allen Robinson? You know, Robinson took all the attention and made it easier on these guys. I think this is kind of that effect that we've seen from because you're, like because, you're a good, because you're a good number two does not mean that you're a number one. Right. right. Juju with Antonio uh, Brown was fantastic. a stud. 
Juju without Antonio Brown. Hello, third receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's see how City Lamb does this year, too. There you go. Things change, Lots right? Lots of guys be, when, are great twos. And when, the, when the big dog's not there, yep. how do you how do you handle it? And so, that's why I, I'm not worried about him because he, he was always the guy that, oh, no. Gotta stop him. Oh, that guy got us. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that, like, I don't, I don't buy that stuff like that. And, and until you prove that you go from being a two to a one, but never had that, and he's not going to happen against us. So yeah, one thing I think is interesting too is the 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 Chicago Bears claimed I think it was like six players off waivers. Yes, they uh, which was scary. Yeah, anytime you claim guys off waivers, those guys have to be on your fifty three, which means their They thought low. guys like Alex Leatherwood was better, <laughs> you know, on their offensive line than other guys, and and Leatherwood. Don't get me wrong, I would have loved to have had Leatherwood come in and work out for us. And see where he's at because yeah. I do think in the right system, right, he can play guard in this league as a depth guy. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's fallen into the problem of you were taken as a first round pick. You're not a first round pick. No, I had a not. third round grade on the guy. Yeah, but he goes in the first round because you know somebody wanted to look like the smartest man. John in the room. Gruden, and it didn't Chucky. work out. Uh, but overall, I think that you know them claiming all those guys kind of signals where their roster is now. I think they're they do have a couple guys here and there. Um, they have Pringle as well, the speedster. Here's the problem. Pringle's nursing in a hamstring. Yep. He might not even play. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting questions that go into this, Jason, and it makes me ask you this. What is the 49ers and Bears' biggest advantage? So what's the 49ers' biggest advantage against the Bears? Our entire roster. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't think about it, but like you just said, they claim six players. So after all their, after a month of camp, they're like, damn, those six guys are better than, six, than these six guys that, that we have. That's that's a ninth of of, uh, of your roster. And you're like, oh god, we were, we're like we're that bad that that these guys are an improvement. Like, so it, I'm kind of making a joke, but I'm I'm kind of not though. Like, that is a there's a giant chasm in talent here that that Tom Brady couldn't overcome. Like. Our defense, if if they score more than seventeen points, I'm gonna be be be, be pissed off. I, yeah, I think that the 49ers' biggest advantage is that they have absolute stars at certain positions. I mean, when you look at Trent Williams, you don't have that on the Bears. Like, there's no Trent Williams. Khalil Mack is gone, right? There's no, none of those big names. Uh, I think there's a couple. There's a couple pass rushers for the Bears that are pretty good. Um, but when you look at it, there's just that name is not there. You know who Fields is, you know, you know who a couple of guys are. But other than that, the 49ers have just those big names between Bosa, you know, and uh, and Trent at, Williams. At every level, they at have every position. They have Debo a, Samuel, a stud. Yeah, they do. I mean, there's, and they go on. They got Charvarius Ward. They, you know, they have Emmanuel Mosley playing at a high level. I think it's one of those interesting things where you're right. The 49ers' depth and their overall roster seems to be better than the Bears. Now you have to go out there and prove it. Last year, the 49ers roster was better than a lot of teams that they played, they but they weren't able to execute early on in the season, and they lost some football games. Um, but one thing that's going to happen, Jason, that I mean, could this could this actually overcome the 49ers' advantage? And that's that Justin Fields wants revenge against the 49ers. Darnell Mooney said Justin Fields is not happy the 49ers passed him up and went with Trey Lance. What do you feel about Justin Fields? Because last it was it was just Halloween. Everyone remembers. Last year, that Justin Fields did make some plays against the 49ers, especially with his legs. They allowed him to complete underneath passes. I'm going to be breaking down all of the, the Bears film because I'm doing like a, a thing for Patreon. But 
Uh, I'm super excited about getting even into more fields because he had a pretty good preseason. Do you think he's poised for this revenge game? I mean, we should probably define the idea of a revenge game. Will he come in and maybe outplay Trey? Maybe have a higher completion percentage than Trey? He might. But, I mean, it's not like they're going to have any chance of actually winning the game. Now, I, I, I will say that, that, that pre-draft, the guy I wanted at 12 to 8 range was Justin. Like, I, I watched him enough at the Ohio State University that the, the you, you, you must say the. That, that's what I've been told. Okay. You, you can't just say Ohio State. You must say the Ohio State. I watched him in big games. I watched him against LSU's and Clemson's and stuff, and he he, he played really well. Like in, in those games, he played really well. So I thought that he would. And and if you watched, all because you know, remember all the all the hype about ooh, there's Kyle and there's John. When you watched the two of them talking to Justin, it looked like they really had a really good rapport and really good back and forth. It I thought that's who, and then. Especially when they got, they made the trade. I thought they were going up until literally the morning of the draft. I thought they were going up to get him. Yeah, but I, there's, there's going to be no re re revenge factor. His team is garbage. Well, I think there might be a revenge factor in his own mind. Yeah, right? it's the Randy Moss thing. All these guys pass me up. Mentally. I'm going to go out there and prove it. I think that's a good attitude to have for Justin Fields. I have no problems with the oh, way that he's going to go about it. Absolutely. But I'm with you on that. I, I did think Justin Fields was a real target of the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan having a relationship, a pre-relationship with him made sense as well. So I think that Justin Fields probably even felt he was going to be the 49ers decision. Yep. Um, the problem was there was lots of people that thought they were going to be the 49ers decision. There was running backs who, like Najee Harris who thought they were going to be the decision at 12. When the 49ers went up, they made a decision that they needed to get a guy that they were afraid other teams were going to take. I think the Atlanta Falcons were looking to take Trey Lance, and I think Carolina was as well. That's why they pivoted and and, and went with a, a doop-de-doo at quarterback. But I think that the, Justin Fields is going to want revenge in this game, but the way the 49ers can go in there and handle it, they learned a lot last year from yeah. what they did. Uh, I think D'Amico Ryans is, is ready for this game. He's going to get after it. And I think these 49ers defensive players – are going to want to go shut Justin Fields down for what happened last year. And don't think that the players don't understand what this would mean for Trey Lance to oh, yeah. win not only his first game, but also to win a game against Justin Fields as far as, yeah, the way that they're positioned and the way people talk about it. So Do I, you expect us to have a spy on him at all times? No, I think it'll be occasional. Really? Here's why. Hmm. Um, and, the, of course, I'm giving away secrets, Jason. You're making me give away secrets for later on conversations, but... I do. Well, I will be here for that conversation. Yeah, so I do I have, to, I have to ask it now. Yeah, I do believe <laughs> that the way they go about it is similar to the way that you handled a guy like Russell Wilson. So you're going to have certain blitz gaps and you're going to run in, in certain lanes to keep this guy locked up. What you're going to want to do is, is it's all about pass rush lanes and it's all about blitzing strategically. Last year, they tried to make Justin Fields complete passes consistently, yeah. and he proved he can. If you're going to give him that space, he can go out there and complete 65 to 70% of his passes. So now you have to approach it a different way. And the way you do it is by disguising coverage and then bringing blitzes, but bringing them in a way that it doesn't create run lanes. Pretty so much. taking away those run lanes is going to be the most important for this defense, and I think that's what D'Amico's going to do. An aggressive style defense, get in your face, and they're going to put pressure on Justin Fields and make him make plays 
I think that's how you go beat a young quarterback, especially a guy who is looking for revenge. Because if he's got that mindset that he's going to go out there and try to overly aggressive too, bingo. So that's where we're at with all of that. Force a a throw or two, and Mister Womack might be might be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of guys. I mean, people like Talano Hufong as a playmaker. Yes, he is. Uh, So there's going to be guys making plays. I'll see if the Four Years can continue that turnover. Uh, trend as well. Certainly hope so. Uh, that, that'll Jason, take a lot of... here's a question for you. What's the 49ers' biggest weakness, the weakness that the Chicago Bears might be able to take advantage of? The only thing that they can potentially have, well, I'd say two, One, um, is if their defense can come up with some complex blitz scheme that might confuse Trey a little bit, would, would, would be one thing, and, and then just the inexperience at, in in the middle of our O line. Other than that, there's there's really nothing that the Bears have the talent or the coaching staff to actually do. Yeah, that's where it kind of coincides, right? Yeah. It's is Eberflus is the defensive coordinator. You know, he played against the Forty ers last year. He ain't got Buckner and and Jack too, though. So he, no, he doesn't. But he's he got a lot, a lot he's got a certain skill set, right? He understands what the Forty ers want to do on offense. He's going to try to bring the, like you said, the pressure. And when you have an inexperienced offensive line, them being able to pick up blitzes and also be able to kind of pass guys off is going to be something that's important. And even though these guys are well-equipped, these guys understand Forrester's been taking them through it, you still see at times they don't have that chemistry maybe right now. Now, we'll see what happens if they do have a Mike McGlinchey and a you know a Trent Williams there to help guide those young guards as well. I think Brendel will do fine as far as understanding yeah. what is supposed to happen, but they got to go out there and execute. You're right. The offensive line against that pass pass rush slash blitzing package is going to be interesting, but if the 49ers run game gets going, it might alleviate That's all that and bit. change that up. So I think it's one of those things where you're right. That's a weakness. It's probably the one that the 49ers have most glaring, which at any point in this season, if it becomes a non-weakness or a non-story, it's, going to be bad for the NFL. Bingo. It's bad for everyone else. I think we'll see more Jeff Wilson at, because his ability to help uh, pick, up. pick up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in third down, I've kind of thought he was going to be the third down back all the way back when we did our training camp battle videos. Yeah. Um, a lot of people gave pushback like, no, no, no. Jamichael Hasey's that guy. I honestly, no, thought, not. I honestly <laughs> thought it was going to be Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, because I, my belief was the way him and Elijah Mitchell catch the ball in the backfield, they can both split the third down back role all the while. Both of them are good receivers. Both are good blockers. I think it just gave the four years more advantages. Have those two guys get most of the carries. Yeah. And then whoever's dressed between Jordan Mason and TDP, let them handle short yardage situations. I think that's the best situation for the Niners. Because I think early in the season, they're going to want Elijah Mitchell to be about 12 to 15 carries. They're going to want to make sure they protect him. So Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to pick up that other six to eight carries. And then the short yardage ones for Mason or TDP. I agree. I I don't want to see him back there. Not because he can't do it, because I saw last year he did a pretty good job. I just don't want him to take unnecessary hits. Yeah. Because you, he's proven that he yeah. has a, a, a little potential for injury. And our offense is a lot better <laughs> With him back there. Yeah. And, not, so. and there's always the opportunity for, for Kyle Shannon to be like, I'm going to sprinkle in some Devo Samuel right now on third down yeah. and be the third down back. And, you know, he's he's good for two to three uh, per game cha- opportunities to actually 
carry the ball in the backfield. I think we're going to see him a handful of times in the backfield. I think so, too. Uh, I think they're going to run some option looks. I think they're going to match him up against linebackers. They started doing that in the playoffs last year. They line up in the backfield, and they match him up against a linebacker, which Sweet. is, yeah, him against a, a linebacker is a good situation. So, it Jason, it's is. come that time in the show where we get to go over the game prediction. I want to know what you who you think is going to win this football game. This is going to be all about you. I'm not going to give my prediction. I'm going to wait until the game preview show for that. But this is about you right now, and I'm very interested to see how you got this game. Well, I'm definitely going to be be taking the Niners minus the points for sure. <laughs> there's, there's no way that they won't cover that one. Um, I I got San Francisco somewhere in a 31 to, to 38 to like, oh, okay. I thought you were saying 31 to 30. Okay. No, like Whoa. that's how many our offense is going to score. Wow. I, 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 I think the Bears get somewhere like 9 to 14 tops. Okay. So. I will, since you said 31 to 38, I think I'm going to, I want to ask you this because that's kind of a high score, mm-hmm. right? For this offense. Why exactly do you think 49ers with young quarterback Trey Lance are able to score 31 to 38 points? We just talked about four tight ends, four big running backs, 10 offensive linemen. Is the run game for the Niners going to get going that much, or is this offense just that much better than the Bears' defense? All of the above, and I, Ooh. I think too that that because the running game gets gets going, I see Ayuk and Gray with a couple of huge gains off play action too that will e- either go 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 all the way for a a, a touchdown or or set up an easy first and goal type thing too. Oh, I like it. So Jason comes through with the score prediction. Of course, you can catch mine on the game preview show that comes out later this week on the channel, of course. That was going to come out on Thursday, game preview show on Thursday. Content every which way you can possibly think from right here on YouTube or on traditional platforms if you're listening through uh, an audio version or over on Patreon where you can catch slightly offsides and shows like that face off coming back, but this time on Patreon. I think it's going to be super exciting. Everyone, make sure you hop over to Patreon where you can get those shows, plus film breakdowns, and then right here on YouTube, a multitude of shows all throughout the week talking 49ers versus Bears. Can't wait for it, Jason. We've made it to that season. We've made it to the regular season. It's here. You heard it from Jay Hill. The 49ers are going to win in impressive fashion and put down uh, this whole revenge possible thing for Justin Fields. I think so, and I would bet we get... at least four sacks too. Ooh, four sacks! I love that. And and probably two, at least two or or three turnovers. Already here first. So Jay Hill's all over this defense coming through big, offense coming through big. You came through big on this episode. Thank game. you so much for watching. We really appreciate it. It's gonna be a fun week of football. Hope you guys are all excited. And we'll catch you next week where we'll be talking about. This exact game, what happened, the fallout from the 49ers versus Bears, and then looking forward to 49ers versus Seattle in in the home opener. Hope you'll join us again next week for that. But once again, stuff all throughout the week on the channel, stuff over on Patreon. Hope you guys enjoy it. Catch you guys on the next one.